where uh, we've just started a series on relationships for those of you that weren't here last week. And uh, last Sunday, Andy talked about the, the foundation of all our relationships, which is relationship with God. And uh, uh, we always have to begin there because that sets the tone for everything. Uh, we were created for, first of all, relationship with him, and then that spills over into relationships with one another. And we're doing this series uh, because we're really aware that in our culture, it's relationships that are being attacked. And uh, uh, the, the number one um, issue um, in, in, in our culture is probably loneliness. We, we live in a lonely generation and uh, we've lost the art of making and maintaining friendships, relationships that are deep. Uh, the incidents of divorce are, are really quite large. Uh, uh, re relationships are often very temporary. And uh, then we move on. And they're often very, very shallow. Not always, but increasingly, um, that is the case. And so we want to look at all aspects of that. And I think next week, Andy's going to be looking at identity, which is foundational. We don't know who we are. Uh, we don't know how to relate to others. Um, and in a few weeks, we're going to be looking at marriage. Uh, but uh, the, today, I want to look at singleness and celibacy. And I'm very aware that a number of you here are married. And I want to say to those of you that are married, listen to this. This is important for you to hear about singleness and celibacy. Because we are part of one family and you need to understand so you know how to relate to single people in the church and so that you know how to serve and help and encourage uh, those who are single. And in a few weeks, we're going to be doing, I think it's a two-part series uh, on marriage. Uh, I won't be doing that because we're going to get experts on the subject uh, not someone who doesn't have a clue. And I want to ask the single people in this church then to listen and to, and to come along and to be there because it's really important, because we belong together for all of us. Um, and so I'm going to take my life in my hands and I want to talk uh, about uh, the gift of singleness. And, and first of all, I want to say that we need to understand how important it is that in the church of Jesus we address this subject. I've looked at the statistics and uh, um, the government's statistics and in 2017, 51.5% um, of the population were living in a marriage relationship. In 2018, that had gone to 50.5%. And uh, the expectation, the figures aren't out for last year yet, but last year for the first time, more than half the population, 16 and over, not including children, we're talking about 16 and over, were not living in a marriage relationship. Uh, 30, over 35% of those uh, are single and have never married. About 8% um, have, um, have divorced or or their partner has passed away and they've never remarried. And uh, there's, the rest is, is those who, who maybe uh, 
uh, with, uh, with someone temporarily. So it's, it's a huge issue. And in the church, we spend a lot of time uh, talking about marriage. And I have a high view of marriage. Uh, I, I love weddings. Uh, and I, 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 don't, I can't remember the last wedding where I haven't get, got very emotional as I saw people doing this wonderful thing of committing their lives to each other and making vows. And the Bible has a high view of marriage. In fact, Paul, he compares it to, to the relationship between Jesus and his church. And you can't have a much higher view of marriage than that. But the Bible also has a high view of singleness and celibacy as part of singleness. It is not, it is not in the Bible, it is not regarded as the consolation prize. It is not the, the thing that for those who didn't get married. And the issue of singleness is not an issue outside the church. Because outside the church, um, it's almost trendy to be single. Because you can be in these, I'll use the old-fashioned phrase, when you're single, you can be footloose and fancy-free. You can sow your wild oats. Uh, when you're single, you can play the field. You can have fun and no responsibilities. And, uh, but the issue there is, outside the church, is, is to be single is more opportunities for sex. And uh, in fact, in our culture, uh, uh, to, to not have sex is to have something wrong with you. You see that in all sorts of ways. You, you see that in the movies. Uh, I came across the movie, I, I don't know if it was from a year ago or two years ago or a bit longer, um, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, the title of which is, I think you've got it right, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. And it's a comedy, and it's all about this guy who got to the age of 40 and had never had sex. And it was like, oh, it was ridiculous. You know, it was a joke. And all his friends were, when they discovered, they were laughing at him. Fancy that. And the whole thing about the movie was his friends desperately trying to get him to lose his virginity. And the film climaxes, and I'm paraphrasing here, with, I, oh dear. <laughs> the film... You have got dirty minds. The, the, <laughs> the, film, the, the film ends. The film, the film, now I'm going to be worried about The film ends with this guy successfully losing his virginity and everything is happy ever after. And that, is an example, and there and there are other pictures uh, that film a while ago, friends with benefits, and and so on. And uh, in the culture outside the church, um, it's regarded as hey, it's a it's a it's a it's a great time of life. In the church, we don't see it the same, and in the church we see it very very differently. And uh, I'm going to be really honest here: the number of times. Um, as a single person, um, I've, I've, I've met folk, and when I travel and when I meet people, and, and often it goes like this. I can't, I've lost count. Oh, hi, so um, um, uh, do, how's your family? Do you have a family? Uh, do you have children? Oh, no, I don't. 
Oh, you don't. Um, uh, are you married? No, no, I'm not. And then there's this embarrassed silence. Whereas if it was, you know, sometimes I've wondered about saying, yes, I have a wife and 67 children. You know, and then, oh, wonderful. Can we see photos? Oh, how old are they? Tell me all about them. But it's like this embarrassed silence, like, oh, I don't know what to say. And, and even, uh, even more than that, you know, I've had, I've had folk, oh, you're single? Oh, you're all on your lonesome? Oh, I'll, I'll be praying. I'll pray that you find uh, a wife. I, 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 we, we, we really will, won't we? Won't we, George? We'll really be praying for Mike. And, 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 and then, and then he, he, here's, 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 here's the other one, which I've, I've had so many times. The amount of prophecies I have had, I'm telling you, the amount of prophetic words that people have given me, um, and it goes like, the Lord says he, he loves you. He loves the way you've poured out your life for him and the way you've served him. And, and he will reward you. There is a wife coming. He's preparing her for you. And it's like, it's, do you know what? It's really hard to know how to respond to those words. And so, you know, I, so far I've kind of smiled and, oh, thank you for sharing that. But everything in me wants to headbutt them. And, <laughs> And, and, say, and say, shut your flipping mouth. I don't want to get married. I'm really happy being single. Why would I want, you know, and, all, and especially... <laughs> well, well, the thing is, I've, I've spent 60, 61 years, nearly 62 years without sex. To get married just for a few years of sex is not worth it. You know, it's like, it's, I'm past that stage now. But here's the point. The, the Bible says something different. The Bible says something different about singleness to what we believe in the church and certainly to what our culture says. And folks, we, we, the church is always meant to challenge the culture. The church is always meant to be prophetic to the culture. Our culture has got lots of things wrong. And too often in the church, we want to be accepted. We want to be liked. And so we tone down. We're not countercultural. We become a, a shadow of the culture. Um, and we get absorbed by the culture. And therefore, we're, we're not prophetic. And God's word and God's will and God's plan for human beings really, really, really is the best. And the, the Bible clearly teaches that if you are single, that, that sex is for marriage, which is a lifetime commitment. And it's the whole Bible teaches that. I've heard some people say, well, that's taught in the Old Testament and Paul talks about it, but Jesus goes easy on it. That is so not true. When Jesus talks about sexual immorality, uh, the word that is used in the Greek is pornea, which is where we get pornography. And in that culture, pornea meant sex outside of the context of marriage in any form. And it was, it's clear right the way through. Um, and again, we have to challenge what our culture says, because our culture has turned the gift of sex into a god. 
And it was given as a gift, as a way of expressing love, as a way of, 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 of expressing intimacy in a committed, unique, um, uh, exclusive relationship uh, between uh, a man and a woman, between two people. It was given uh, for that. And our culture has turned it into a God. And, and the suggestion that there is something wrong with you, that you, you're, you're not truly fulfilled, you're not truly happy if you're not having sex with someone. And that is a lie. That is a lie. And also, we, our culture has turned intimacy into something that can only be achieved in a sexual relationship. And we in the church have to... We, we have to walk a different road. Let's turn to the scripture. Um, I'm just going to look at a couple of scriptures. Here's the first one. Um, and it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning at verse 25. Listen to what Paul says, and we'll try and make some sense of it. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. That, he's not saying what that sounds like it's saying. I'll explain in a minute. Um, those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it was not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For the world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man or woman is, un is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How he or she can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How he can please his wife and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Now what's going on here? He's talking about a time of persecution in the church, in this present crisis, in this present time. And he's not got a downer about marriage. When he says, I prefer you to remain single. <coughs> in fact, uh, in Ephesians, he, he's, he's upholding marriage massively. But what, what, what these scriptures, when you put them together, are saying is that both are gifts. Both are positive. And, and actually, um, marriage is, you know, the idea... The idea that marriage is, is full of joy and laughter and never any issues or problems and that singleness is full of loneliness and pain 
and isolation and crying into your pillow at night is so far from the truth and so far from what the truth ought to be. You know what, when he says, he's not saying if you're married, um, you don't care about the Lord. He's not saying if you're married, you're not, you're not so close to the Lord. What he's saying is you've got lots of other concerns and that is absolutely true. Anyone who's got married will know that. You know, when you get married, you can't just think about yourself. You're thinking about your marriage. You're meant to. You're meant to care for another person. Their, their worries become your worries. Their doubts become your doubts. Their illness affects you. And, and you, you live for them. And especially when you have children. Anyone ever had children? It gives you concerns. You know, it, you're, you're up at night in the first months. You're up at night the first years. When they're sick, you have to clean them up. When they start getting bullied at school, when they cry uncontrollably, it breaks your heart. When they first fall in love, it's agony for you. And if it's not with your children, with your grandchildren, it's, it can still happen. It's worth it. It's worth it. Any married person, well, most married people will tell me, it's, it's absolutely worth it. But there are concerns, and there are meant to be concerns. And it doesn't mean that if you're single, there aren't any concerns, but it's not the same. You know, because I love my, my friends who are in families, my married friends, when they hurt, I hurt. But it's not the same as having to be there all the time. It's not quite the same. And that's what Paul was talking about. And uh, we need to understand that, that, that there is a gift, and it's not, it's not a consolation prize. And there's things you can do if you're single. There's things that I can do that I could never do. I, it would be, if, I, if I lived my lifestyle as a married person, it would be called sin. You know, I get on a plane all the time. I'm off for a week, two weeks, three weeks. I come back. I come home when I want. I have people around at the last minute. I, all of that stuff. I, I, everything like that. I, I couldn't and shouldn't live like that and have that freedom if I was married. Simply because that wouldn't be loving. And the, the other thing that, again, I just emphasize um, that, that our culture tells us is you're less than human if you don't have sex. You know, like I said, I, I, haven't, I haven't had sex once with anything. Animal, vegetable, or mineral. Never once. And I'm okay. I'm okay. You know what? We, there's a misunderstanding. It's, 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 in, it's intimacy that every human being needs. And in our culture... We've, we've relegated intimacy to one exclusive relationship. That is not biblically true. Remember, the one we follow, the one we worship in his humanity was single and celibate. I know some outside the church try and go on about his relationship with Mary Magdalene and all of that. There is nothing in the scripture that suggests that Jesus um, ever had a sexual relationship, and yet he was a fully human being. He was fully complete. Then we could look at um, uh, David and Jonathan, 
And again, that's something people read, and you read some of the things that they say to each other, and they say about each other, and you say, oh, there must have been something, something sexual there. No, they were both married men. Uh, but what, what when, when David was saying, you know, your love is better than that of a woman's, he was saying he had three wives at the time, David. And he had, you know, and a whole load. And, and his, his marriages were, were not great, you know. And what he was saying was, I've got a depth of friendship with you that I don't have in my sexual relationship. And so, and so the, the idea that, that you can't live without sex is so, so, so. And in a culture that worships the idol of sex, we need to get back to... Uh, kind of a monastic tradition where it's possible for some to live joyful, fulfilled, loving, peaceful lives and, and for it to be um, without sex. Um, now, there's two mistakes that we can make if we're single. Two areas, areas we can, and I've made them both in my time. And the first one is, is to... Is to, is to think, I'm not complete until I get married. Oh my goodness, I'm living half a life. I won't be really happy unless I'm married. And again, the pressure within the church is not helpful in that. And that's not true. I, I remember I felt like that. And then my last relationship that went horribly wrong was when I was 33. And after that one... It was like, I remember when I was, I think I was 33, 34, I suddenly, I, I worked it through and I suddenly came to the conclusion, I am not going to waste another week, another day, another hour, another minute waiting for something that might not happen to make me fulfilled and happy. I am going to give my best shot to the one life I have now and I'm going to give it my everything, and it was the best decision I ever made. And if I died today, I would die so grateful to God for the life he has given me. And what I decided is I would invest in all my relationships. I would give myself completely. It's not about a, I, I, it's not about a life of loneliness. It's a life of completeness in another way. And so that's, that's the first thing. It's choosing. The second mistake I made was this one. I remember a few years ago, I said to a friend of mine, um, and it was my attitude, Steve Clifford it was. And I said to my friend Steve, um, oh, Steve, I'm so happy I'm single. Oh, I'm so glad. I see my married friends. I see how they're chained to their families. They, they've got to be home at six o'clock at night, and, and they've got to lay the table, and they've got to be there, and they've got to do their duties and that. And, oh, I'm so happy. I don't have any of that. I can come home whenever I want. I can see whomever I want. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to have a huge conference before I spend any money. I can just decide it on my own. I don't have to ever go on holiday to centre parks. You know, I don't... I don't... I don't you know, if, I, if I'm tired, I just drop my clothes on the floor. I don't have to put them in the basket. I don't have to remember to put the toilet seat down. I don't, or anything like that. Oh, it's so wonderful to be free. 
to be free of all of that restriction. And my friend Steve, he listened to me in silence. And then very quietly, he said to me, it must be wonderful to be able to be that selfish. (laughs) It was a dagger in my heart and it was twisted. And he didn't need to say anymore. I suddenly realized that I'd made the other mistake of, of, of thinking that being single meant you could live for you. To be a Christian means you can never live just for you anymore. Whether you're married or single, we live for him and we live for others. The ultimate expression of love is not sex, it's sacrifice. That's what Jesus showed us and that's what Jesus taught us. And I realized that that I need to give this life that I've got for the blessing of others. I need to open my home. I need to, I need to give, up my, give my time. I need to give my energy, my money, um, my possessions to other people. And that's what I've tried to do. I mean, it's a bit, I've lost count of the number of people who have keys to my house. And, um, and do you know what? There's one person who has a key to my house, who whenever I'm away, comes to my house and uses my house for retreat days. And I know this person has been in my house when I get back, because when I get back, not only are there pizzas missing from my freezer, but more than that, there are books missing from my bookshelves. Every time I come back and there are gaps. And this person steals my books. Steals. Now he says he borrows them. But the definition of stealing is borrowing with no intention of giving back. And I'm not going to say who it is, but there is somebody here who, who takes my books and who steals my books. And I know it's him because I go, when I go to his house, I see my books on the bookshelves. When I go to his little study there, it's full of my flipping books that I spent money on, that I have invested in over years. And somebody needs to get convicted by the Holy Spirit. And return them. Sorry, I needed to get that off my chest. But you see the point. It's, it's about it, it's, it, whether you're married or single, we belong to one another. Whether you're married or single, we, we invest in one another. And do you know one of the other things that, <clears throat> that I used to do that I don't do anymore is I used to have this thing about going... Uh, to, to my friends' ho- homes with families. And I used to think when, I, when I'd go around, oh, I won't stay long because I'll, they'll, be, they'll be thinking, oh, how long is he staying for? We've got so much to do and, and I, I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to outstay my welcome. And then I'm looking, are they looking at each other, giving each other a glance like, when's he going? And then if I stay long enough, they might be, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, uh, um, uh, and then when the, if they ask me to stay for dinner, I'm thinking, have they asked me to stay for dinner because they're about to have dinner? And the alternative is to say, uh, well, we're just going to have dinner. Can you go now? 
And so, do, do, do they really want me to stay for dinner or do they not? I used to get myself into a whole tiz about that. I don't anymore. Now, before I go to my friends, when I, when I knock on the door and they open the door, my attitude is completely, I have just arrived to make your life better. <laughs> and I believe it. I believe it because my role is to make their lives better. So with some of my friends, I, my married friends with kids, they need me. In, not they need me, their children need me. Their children need me to, to bring some humanity to their, 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 their relationships, to their family. Their children need me uh, to bring some um, warmth and love where what they get is this straitjacket discipline you can't watch TV because it's not quite 4 p.m. And, uh, and you can only have one chocolate before dinner and all that. Uncle Mike brings freedom. <laughs> freedom and chocolate to poor children who would otherwise suffer. <laughs> we need each other. We need each other. And it's not just, you know, the lonely he sets in families. But families need those who, are, who live on their own. And it doesn't have to be lonely when we understand that our family is the whole church. And let me address, as we come into land, the, 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 this last question of, of intimacy you know, we're, we're, we're meant to be able, in our culture, we don't know how to have friendships that are deep and meaningful. We don't know how to do that and that are permanent, that are, that, that are there, that aren't temporary. Um, uh, apparently, the average person with a Facebook has, um, the average number of friends every person on Facebook has, the average is 237. Now, immediately, some of you are thinking straight away, am I above or below that? Okay, immediate, because that's what we do. But the average... Now, it's impossible to have deep friendships with 237 friends. It's impossible. So, we need to understand, in the church, we're called to love one another as Jesus loved us. And it enriches us. So, we choose to make friendships to make relationships, to, to go deeper with people. And, and again, our culture gets suspicious. That's why there's all this stuff about, about Jesus and Mary Magdalene and David and Jonathan. Oh, it must be. It doesn't have to be. It's possible to have great, intimate, deep, um, disclosing uh, friendships with people and for it not to be sexual. C.S. Lewis, who, by the way, he, this guy has a quote for everything. It's amazing, isn't it? It's like he's everything. In the four loves, he says this. Those who cannot conceive friendship as substantive love, but only as a disguise or elaboration of eros, which is sexual love, betray the fact that they have never had a friend. And that's the truth. There is a joy that comes in having deep friendships. A friend is not merely someone 
who knows your Facebook page. A friend is someone who knows your soul. We all need that. And I want to say something as an encouragement to those who are married. Don't limit your deep friendship to just your marriage partner. Yes, marriage is unique. Marriage is exclusive in the sense of it's a commitment to that person in a unique way for life. But actually, we're meant, that what, what will enrich you is as a couple, as a family, to have many other friends who can input into you, who can be there for you, who can support you. And in the church, this is what we're meant to model. This is meant what we're meant to have. Uh, Proverbs 18 verse 24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What does that mean? We can have uh, companions, substitute that for acquaintances. A person of many acquaintances may come to ruin, but true friendship is, is, is someone who sticks closer than a brother. Now, you know, families stick together. And, uh, and it's wonderful when you're part of a family. When you're in trouble, members of your family, they rally round. But you know what? There's something special about friendship. In families, you don't choose each other. But in friendships, you do. And, in a, and friends, they stick with you in the good times and the bad times, not just in times of crisis. You share heart, you, you share dreams, you share sorrows, you share joys, you share, you share it all. And it enriches us all. And so, and so in that context, I want to encourage us, uh, those of us who are married, to not see single people as, as in limbo, and needing our patronizing and help. I want to encourage those of you that are single. You know, go against the culture of the world around us. Live by the beat of a different drum. It is possible and it can truly, truly bring joy. I want to finish with reading from Mark chapter 10. And uh, um, Jesus has just had the confrontation with the rich ruler, the rich young ruler. And, um, um, and this, the, he, couldn't, he couldn't do the last thing Jesus... I'm going to begin at verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, with human beings, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Now, I, we don't know the tone of Peter's voice, and I, I can't, we can't tell whether he was saying it as a, 
as a self-pitying thing. Oh, but we've left everything to follow you. We've left our, I, I had a really good business as a fisherman, which he didn't. He was a hopeless fisherman. But he, he you know, I've left my job. He could never caught anything. Um, and uh, I've left, we've left everything and we've just been following you. And, and oh, or whether he was saying, which was, I think was more likely knowing Peter. It was like, well, he can't give up to you. But we, we've given everything to follow you. Either way, listen to Jesus' reply. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields. Oh, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Now, what is, what's the point here? What's Jesus saying? He's, saying? he's saying, what I get from this is, I got, I got loads of homes. Not just the one my bed's in, but all your homes. They're my homes because we belong together. Now, you may not have given me your front door key yet. That's a joke. I don't want your front door key because I'll lose it and then you'll get burgled and and it'll be horrible. But you know what? I've got your homes. More brothers and sisters, you know, who gives... I've got loads of brothers and sisters. My my family here. I've got godchildren coming out of my ears it's bankrupting me, you know, and it's, it's, there's a richness, there is a richness. God is no person's debtor. God is no person's debtor. Now, I know, I know it isn't always as easy as I've said. I know there's a journey, and I know there's issues, and I know there, there can be loneliness. I know that. The honest truth is that there's a loneliness that can be worse, which is a loneliness in marriage. To be married and to be lonely is a killer. It's not that one is easier than the other. They both can have their issues, but they both can have their joys. When we pursue him, when we pursue him with all that we are and all that we have. Remember, as the band comes up, remember what I said at the beginning. This is part of a series. We wanted to address singleness and celibacy because it needs to be talked about in the church. We're going to do marriage soon. We're going to do lots of other things. Look at lots of other things. This is part of a whole. This is part of a whole. And we want to honor both situations, both conditions. Because they're both given by God and they both express God's heart if we get it right, as we get it right.